Coming up, one of our employees will have, always have access to life-saving care and the type of reproductive care that they had just one week ago. Kansas City wants to pay employees cash if they need to travel out of state for an abortion. Why Missouri is now telling them no. The countdown is on. The new look KCI opens six months from now, but is it still on time and on budget? Remember the battle to change a city street name after Dr. King. Now get ready for a new name change dispute. And after a new wave of violence, why the mayor is being blasted for suggesting the fix may be a return to mounted horse patrols. Those stories and the rest of the week's news straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome, I'm Nick Haynes. Glad to have you with us on our journey through the week's most impactful, confusing, and befuddling local news stories. Hopping on board this Week in Review bus this week is Lisa Rodriguez from KCUR News, Eric Wesson from The Call, Channel 9 Chief Political Analyst Michael Mahoney, and from the pages of your Kansas City star, Dave Helling. Last week, Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas said the city would cover the travel expenses of any employee who felt the need to travel out of state to have an abortion. One of our employees will have, always have access to life-saving care and the type of reproductive care that they had just one week ago. Hold that announcement. The policy is now being challenged by Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. He says he's ready to go to court to block the measure, saying it is unlawful. What makes it illegal in his mind, Lisa? Well, the Attorney General cited a, a state statute that says that you can't use public money to fund abortions. But the plan that the city um, is, is putting forth, which is still in the works, the details aren't, aren't, aren't final yet, would be to actually go through uh, people's insurance providers, the, the insurance providers that the employees are already paying into. And so the mayor says this is pretty pretty immune to a legal challenge because it's not taxpayer dollars funding abortions. It would be um, the employee's money that they're paying into their insurance plan and going at it that way. That said, the attorney general threatens lots of lawsuits, <laughs> <laughs> many lawsuits. And so whether or not he could win this, I think is not the point for the attorney general at this point. Michael. Um, I agree with uh, Lisa. Winning this is, is not the point. It is making a, a statement about it. And then there, the other thing about this is uh, there are questions about privacy here that are going to have to be resolved yes. as well. Yes. And um, when they work this out, I'll be curious to see how, how they work on that. You know, it's interesting about the privacy aspect of it. How does this really work in practice, Eric? Is somebody who works at City Hall going to say, hey, I, I want to take advantage of our new abortion policy where we can get traveling expenses. I mean, aren't people going to be very reluctant to even say that publicly? I believe so. Uh, it gets back into the privacy issue, like you said. I think people will be real reluctant to say, hey, personally, I have to go and have this done. But uh, it's a, a swing back at the new uh, challenge with Roe versus Wade, so I think people will take advantage. Does of this have a chilling effect, though, on also private companies who are now moving forward in the state of Missouri and other places to offer similar policies where they might start uh, allowing employees, uh, giving them payments to go yeah. someplace else to have an it, abortion? It, uh, Nick, it, it might have a slight chilling effect. The bigger chilling effect will be next year when the legislature meets 
there will almost certainly be efforts to prohibit companies from subsidizing out-of-state abortions for workers. There will be a raft of different abortion regulations and rules and laws proposed in Missouri and potentially in Kansas. We'll talk about that, I assume, in the weeks ahead, but certainly in Missouri. And at that point, then, private employers may or may not push back on the idea that the state can essentially dictate the terms of what they can offer their employees or kids. Now, some see Eric Schmidt as being powerfully motivated to find every reason to go after even the most minor infraction of Missouri's new abortion law. After all, they say he's now running for the United States Senate in Missouri, and he has to differentiate himself from a crowded field of conservatives. His opponent, Eric Greitens, was the one who recently ran an ad in which he claimed he was hunting rhinos, Republicans in name only. Now, Schmidt is trying to look tough even tougher, with a blowtorch. I'm Eric Schmidt, and I think Joe Biden is a total disaster. That's why I'm taking my blowtorch to his socialist agenda. As your attorney general, I put a stop to Biden's open border policies. I sued to get rid of Fauci's COVID mandates, and I stood with President Trump to stop election fraud. In the Senate, I'll turn the heat up on the Biden Democrats. Now, usually candidates try to outdo each other. Did Schmidt fall short if his mission was to outmuscle his opponent with firepower, Eric? He's, he's comical at best. You know, here's a guy that has tried to sue for everything, mass mandates, abortion. He's still behind Eric Greiden, who has a laundry list of issues, and he can't get past him. So it's, it's like, what, what is he doing? That commercial is not very appealing at all. And some of the things that he's claimed and he has claimed. I think one of the things that really bothered me about him more than anything, and some of our readers at the call, was how he continued to go after Kevin Strickland, knowing that uh, there was enough evidence to overturned the case, and he fought it anyway and kept him in jail. But, but that, but, and that was, though, to show time. you're being tough on crime. And in this case, you're trying to be as tough as possible on issues of abortion and all other manner of issues to separate yourself in a very crowded conservative uh, race for the United States Senate, Michael. Yeah, it's a real macho campaign. Uh, and uh, Eric Greitens simply one-upped him within 24 hours later. He yeah. went back, reprised his machine gun ad from the 2016 campaign, and then he added uh, with it the fact that uh, he then marches in a field and he says, we have an army and we are going to take back America, and then two camouflaged people emerge from the weeds, and, the, and then Greitens continues to walk to, towards the camera. So that's out there, out there, too. We're going in a strange direction in this. The uh, next big issue, though, when it comes to abortion and the next big test is coming in Kansas. That's when voters will decide the value of the both amendment. According to a number of news accounts, it's prompting a sizable uptick in new voters. In Johnson County, for instance, more than 2,000 new voters registered through the DMV this past week alone. Primary elections generally don't see huge turnouts in Kansas. The Secretary of State's office says the last one drew roughly 34%. While projections can't officially be made until registration ends, local elections officials are busy preparing for nearly double that number. 
Both of those reports, though, Lisa, one coming from Johnson County, one coming from Sedgwick County, the most populated areas of the county, uh, of the state, rather, which more likely would also vote f uh, against that value than both uh, uh, amendment. But few people actually go to the polls during primaries. Uh, so still, doesn't that favor those who are trying to get this uh, abortion amendment passed? I, I think in, in other circumstances, yes. But I think we're in a moment now where we are seeing interest in this issue surge on, on both sides of the issue. I think within days of, um, of Roe falling, both sides, I think the campaign offices for both sides had, ran, had run out of signs. We've seen this surge in voter registrations. Now the ultimate test will be, will they show up on Election Day? But I think at this point, it, it would be too early to say that, that voter turnout is going to be low enough to favor one side or the other. It is about showing up on Election Day. And the reason this was picked as an August ballot rather than the November ballot is the yeah. idea that there would be fewer people going to the polls, Michael. Yeah, without question. Uh, primaries are base elections. What they mean by that is that the base comes out for that and not a casual voter that votes say in a presidential election this might be a little bit different mike's right i think there was an idea that hey we'll have competitive republican primaries that will drive turnout in august that's why we want the abortion measure on that uh, ballot but it turns out that republicans by and large don't really have hyper-competitive primaries. Derek Schmidt is going to sail to the nomination. There is a bit of one in the uh, Kansas Attorney General's race. There is a bit of a primary on the Republican side in the Secretary of State's race. And there may be individual state house races that could have competitive primaries. But I think the idea that, hey, we're going to have a big, hot governor's primary and that'll turn people out turned out not to be true. Six months from now, the new look KCI airport will open or should do, the development team has already announced that March 3rd, 2023 will be the completion date. But given the escalating construction and labor costs and ongoing supply chain issues everywhere, is it really still on time and on budget, Eric? Yes. I think most of the material that they use, they're in the finishing phases, but most of the material that they were using, they got it locked in at the price when they uh, bid on the airport in the first place. Now, as far as the supplies for the vendor stores out there and concessions, that might be another uh, conversation because a lot of that stuff, it's T-shirts, of course, coffee cups, they might come from overseas. So that might be a delay. So for all those talks of all those shops opening with all of the, you know, the restaurants and everything, that might not be happening in March? Yeah, I think that's the thing that if there is a danger of not being ready by opening day, it'll be the concessionaire sh shops. In fact, there's a meeting this Next week, next, week. next week of uh, construction uh, contractors who will get details on how to build out some of these restaurants and coffee shops and, and shirt shops that are going to open as part of the program out there, Nick. About six weeks ago, there was a pretty strong rumble in Kansas City that the airlines were worried that the base airport would not be ready by March and that they were sort of pushing city officials. But I talked to Pat Klein, the aviation director, to the city manager, the mayor, members of the council, Edgemore, to try and confirm that rumor. And they all said, no, we are on schedule for opening the airport. And in fact, I wrote an email to one of them and said, okay, don't come to us in 90 days and say, hey, we've, we're falling behind. Uh, so they're still promising completion by March of 2023, and that's on the record. Now, speaking of KCI, if you've been to a grocery store in Kansas City recently, you might have bumped into Clay Chastain, the Maverick Transit activist, is back with a petition to connect the new terminal to downtown by train. He's back. He's back.
<laughs> While many Kansas Cityans and city leaders have developed clay chastain fatigue, does the idea, though, have merit if the city wants to put on its best face for the World Cup in 2026? Would this be a crowd pleaser for the hundreds of thousands of people who will be moving in and out of the city, Lisa? I, is, is the idea appealing? Sure. I think I think a lot of these uh, light rail and monorail um, ideas have always been appealing. The question is, is it feasible? And and that's always been the issue with some of the plans that that Clay Chastain brings forth. Even the ones that are ultimately make it on the ballot and are successful, um, you know, have have run into issues when it talks about what is the actual budget. He's throwing out a lot of numbers. He's throwing out a lot of plans that sound really great. But but is there the money and is there the time to do it? But the the city uh, manager in Kansas City is still. Even this week, saying we are looking at potentially this bringing the streetcar uh, across to the stadiums in, in time for the World Cup. That's a $351 million uh, project, or $750 million. $350 something could be picked up by the federal government, others coming from, yeah. from locally. That's a big ask. Isn't this a better use of that money because that will be of more use after the World Cup is finished? You know, eventually, whatever the line looks like in Kansas City, there'll be an airport to downtown component. Whether or not that's happening in the next five years or it happens in the next 15 years, that, that will signal probably the completion of the mass transit line in, in Kansas City. Doing it uh, now, before the World Cup in 26, has the same uh, challenges as doing it out to the stadium for the World Cup. It's an extremely aggressive timeline. you got to get all the money uh, together and, uh, and, and uh, uh, address it without almost no delays to make it happen. I'll be very, very surprised if it, if it happens either way. What happens after the World Cup? you got these trains and things that are going out there that people might not use. So what happens after that? And then taxpayers will still be on the hook for the maintenance and upkeep of something that people won't be using in the same manner as with the World Cup. We've got to remember that the streetcar as it now is formulated is paid for through federal money, but also by taxing a specific district around the streetcar itself. It isn't a general tax uh, proposal that Clay talks about a lot, sales tax and other things. Building out to the airport is difficult in that way because the district you would create doesn't have a lot of businesses or homes in some cases. So the tax base itself is not, uh, does not generate enough revenue to spend the billion or billion and a half you would need for, for rail to the airport. It's the same problem in some degree to Truman Sports Complex, Nick's, and Nick, because the neighborhoods just don't have that much money, not as much as they do down Maine. But aren't we or told, though, that the federal government has all of this infrastructure now, money but, to be spending on cities? Yeah, the, I mean, the idea that the uh, federal government is going to come up with $500 million or $700 million to help build rail in Kansas City is just not feasible under current. Uh, uh, operations. It's just a lot of money. The 175 they're spending for this current streetcar extension is the most they've ever spent in Kansas City for that type of project. So Clay's problem has always been that he depends on federal money and just assumes it's going to come like falling out of a tree. It almost never does. 
Now, remember the battle to change a street name in Kansas City after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Well, get ready for a new name change dispute, this time over Troost Avenue, long considered the racial dividing line between white and black Kansas City. There's a new push underway to rename the street Truth Avenue. And the man behind the effort is entrepreneur Chris Good, the head of Ruby Jean's Juicery. He was the one who pushed for removing the name J.C. Nichols from the Country Club Plaza. He made that happen. Is renaming Troost within his grasp, or is this going to be far more difficult than removing a name from a fountain, Eric. It's going to be a difficult task, uh, but I understand his point, and I've talked to him about it, and the racist undertones that go along with truth and changing that mentality here in Kansas City, I think that's his ultimate goal, is to be able to do that by removing the name of truth from Avenue. When he was successful, Lisa, in removing the name of J.C. Nichols from that country club plaza, iconic fountain, that was right after the George Floyd killing. And so um, there was a lot of interest that right there to be seen to be doing something. Has that moment passed? And is the appetite of Kansas City officials to make change not there anymore? I, I do think we're in a far different moment politically and socially than we were at, at that time after the George Floyd protests. And, and not to mention that, that the fountain and the, and, the, and the street name there were where people were gathering to protest. And so there was momentum. There was high interest. This is a bigger lift because there's the momentum is not there. We're seeing pushback against uh, some of the progress that was made um, in the weeks and months following um, those protests in 2020. So I do think it's, it's, a, it's an uphill battle. Battle. But um, Chris Good has influence. He he has been kind of circulating and building grassroots support. He has the ear of, of, of certain elected officials at City Hall. And so I, I think I don't think it's a lost cause by any means. And you know, he was instrumental too in changing the name of uh, Blue Parkway to Martin Luther King. So it wasn't just the fountain. He was instrumental in helping SCLC and those groups change and put a Martin Luther King street in there. Well. I, I want to go back to Eric here for, for a second. You made, you made a reference on this, and uh, I want you to, to, to elaborate on this. Mr. Troost, who this is named after, has a racist past. What do you mean by that? Uh, he was a slave owner. He was uh, very uh, instrumental in some aspects of uh, the racial divide that Hall, that the uh, fountain guy, because his name is... J.C. Nichols. J.C. Nichols. Him and J.C. Nichols uh, worked together to get some of the discrimination practices with housing education done. So he was instrumental in helping with that. So he had slaves, and that's good enough for most people in the black community right. as well. Chris Good is a brilliant guy, and if anyone can pull this off, it can be Chris Good. I mean, he's one of the up-and-coming leaders in Kansas City, in my view. On the other hand, what we learned from the Paseo fight, Nick, I think, is that the people you need to convince are not necessarily the mayor or the city council or the Kansas City star or the call, but the people who live on the street. That was the lesson from Paseo. They weren't interested in turning, most of them were not interested in uh, changing the name to Martin Luther King Boulevard from the Paseo. And the same thing is true of Troost. Troost is a very, very long street. And he'll need to work hard to get a majority of the people and businesses who live along Troost to agree to a name change if it's to have any success. Wouldn't it be different for Troost Avenue than Paseo Boulevard? Could because be. I think the standard is different on a boulevard than it is could on be, Avenue. Could be. I'm just saying that as a political matter, you need the support of the people who actually live and work on the street, 
whether you call it an avenue or a boulevard, to have any political chance of it. Well, but wasn't forward. there a bigger cause, though? That was the fact that we were one of the largest cities in America that Correct. didn't have a street named after Martin Luther King Jr. Right. That's not there th this time. This is now talking about renaming it Truth. Does that have the same resonance to it as to trying to name something after Dr. Martin Luther King, Lisa? I, I think that's that's another that's another challenge here. And and we saw um, right after right after some of these name changes, a push to rename other streets and. Um, that that had uh, that were named after people with racist past or or slave owners as well, and so yes, it doesn't quite have the urgency of we don't have an MLK Boulevard, and that's embarrassing for us as a city. But I think I think that he can build a case that continuing to have major boulevards that were named after slave owners and glorifying them in a way is is urgent and is something that the city should be focused on. But two on. years ago, the city wanted to put together a committee to yeah. tasked with researching, investigating, and striking down any street or monument in Kansas City that had any uh, ties to slaveholders or to racism. Nothing happened two right. years later, Dave. Yeah, crickets. Uh, I think that reflects what we've all talked about, which is the idea of the political impetus to do this seems to have waned a little bit, even in the east side community, to be frank, in part because of what happened on Paseo. Uh, but that doesn't mean the, the discussion is over or should be over. Not, along, not just along Troost, but other uh, places, other parks, other public amenities. It's just harder than it looks, much harder than it looks. Now, just because abortion and rising prices are now front and center in the minds of many Kansas Cityans, that doesn't mean we've solved our old set of problems. That became evident after an explosive weekend of violence in Kansas City. Two people lost their lives, and four people were shot after leaving a concert at T-Mobile Center. Mac Lucas offered a possible solution to the crime surge. The Kansas City Police Department, he says, should consider reinstating its horse-mounted patrol units. Of all the tools available to the city and the police department, does the mayor really think that bringing back officers on horseback will help solve what is set to be the third deadliest year in Kansas City history, Eric? No. I know he could not logically think that. I think maybe it's more of a political to kind of feed into the base with the anti-police and here recently with the governor signing a bill saying that the, the city has to pay more money for the police department. Uh, I think it's just a ploy to kind of feed into that base to bring it back because they blame him, of course, for the fact that there are no mounted police where a lot of those guys just retired. So I think it was just a political stand as we move into the election year. Here's the thing. Uh, a mounted police officer or is, is a crowd control device, okay? Nothing more, nothing less. You move people at risk of getting pushed by a horse or, or, or something like that. It's not crime prevention in the way that it would prevent a shooting or anything like that. Does it increase the profile of a cop? Yeah, it does. But it's crowd control. It's not crime safety, crime prevention. And you know they had a Trump rally downtown. Yes, I was there with the <laughs> horses, and that that kind of put a bitter taste in people's mouth about mounted horse patrols as well. You so know, because because there's always uh, just the slightest whiff of plantationism in yeah, the idea absolutely. of putting police officers on, on horses horse. yeah. and wading into wind? crowds. So it's uh, it's not. Uh, there are people who object strenuously to the use of this unit, and Rick Smith, for all the criticism and problems he made, he was the guy who decided to get rid of it. 
When you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every story grabbing the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? Hot enough for you, excessive heat, a big story. It turns dangerous for these residents, now without air conditioning for nearly two weeks. They trying to kill us up in here, tell you the truth about it. Man, it's so hot, you could probably fry an egg in there. Wyandotte County paying out more than $12 million to Lamont McIntyre, wrongly imprisoned for 23 years. Now the county struggling to find the money. A big windfall on the way at the University of Kansas Medical Center. They're celebrating just being named a National Comprehensive Cancer Center, unlocking tens of millions of new federal research dollars. Missouri lawmakers heading back to work, Governor Parson calling a special session, not to address hot-button issues like high gas prices, abortion or guns, but lowering taxes. Kansas City moving ahead with that plan to build a massive solar farm next to KCI. It could power up to 70,000 homes. The city now looking for a builder. And Mayor Lucas clearing out his desk. He's not giving up his job. He's announcing a new national TV show that's promising to declutter the lives of Kansas Cityans. From the makers of Queer Eye, comedian Amy Poehler will host the gentle art of Swedish death cleaning, filming about to get underway. All righty, Lisa, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? I, I did, I did. I think that settlement paid to Lamont McIntyre is, is huge news. It is kind of the, the end to a long chapter for, certainly for McIntyre and his, and his mother, um, in trying to get some sort of compensation for the time he spent wrongly behind bars. Also, the county and the unified government dodged what could have been a massive settlement that they had to make. Lamont and his mother were seeking upwards of $93 million, um, something that the county even warned investors would, would bankrupt them. So I think that's, that's monumental news. Eric. I had Justice Horn and uh, the homophobic yes. uh, slur that was on one of his yard signs at his campaign manager's house and I was kind of thinking you know when you don't have a lot of campaign money you want to stand out in the crowd so you have this incident occur that brings media attention to it and they tell you that you would be the first openly gay person uh, elected and you can do that for free versus having to buy yard signs and those kind of things so that kind of seemed kind of suspect to me but also Parade Park is an issue that they're going to have to turn in a proposed plan to hood or they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Justice Horn running for the Jackson County Legislature. Michael Mahoney. Somewhat related in the fact, fact the, the heat and the problems that uh, Kansas City is having with these high-rise apartment built, uh, buildings. Um, there are elderly folks in these things. Uh, it doesn't seem like, to me at least, looking outside or looking in, they're being addressed in a prompt fashion, and it's very dangerous in the city, and everybody needs to keep an eye on it. We talk about costs at the airport and potential delays. There are continuing uh, to be discussions and rumbling about problems with the Jackson County Jail, the new jail, and the cost of that project, which could be subject to problems because of the supply chain. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed, thanks to KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez and Channel 9's Michael Mahoney. Always on call at the Kansas City Call, Eric Wesson and Dave Helling of your Kansas City star. And I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Be well, keep calm, and carry on.